This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. The latest partnership in the autonomous vehicle space is seemingly geared directly at consumers. Waymo and Walmart are trying a pilot program to take shoppers to and from Walmart locations in the Chandler, Arizona area outside of Phoenix. Walmart is one of several retailers Waymo is working with in a variety of fashions, similar to, in this case, Uber, Lyft, or even a taxi service. With more on this idea, we are joined by John Paul McDuffie, management professor here at the Wharton School and director of the Program on Vehicle and Mobility Innovation at the Mac Institute, and also joining us, Dorothy Glancy, who is a law professor at Santa Clara University. John Paul, great to talk with you again. Dorothy, welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Thanks. Good to be here. Thank you. John Paul, I I guess, th- does this partnership, when you look at it from an outside perspective, does it surprise you at all that, you know, an autonomous vehicle company would be doing this type of a partnership to really, again, raise that level of testing on its vehicles? Yeah, it makes a particular sense coming from Waymo, because Waymo is clear that it's uh, business model going forward is to partner with other firms to have more and more applications of their autonomous vehicle technology. So they're the most advanced. They've been doing it the longest. They've got the most uh, miles under their belt, so to speak, so far. And um, these partnerships make sense. Dorothy, your thoughts? Well, my thought is that uh, the sort of national statistics about people who are worried about uh, traveling in autonomous vehicles are pretty high, uh, somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of uh, Americans say they do not want to ride in an um, autonomous vehicle. So uh, what this program does is to take kind of average people um, and show that uh, using an autonomous vehicle is both convenient and safe, um, and just kind of ordinary, I guess, is the right way to say it. Well, even though it, it is a quote-unquote testing program uh, at this point, Dorothy, I, I guess that the, the positives could very well be there when you're talking about certain people that may or may not have the ability to be able to get around as freely and to be able to get them to Walmart to do their shopping. Well, th- th- that's right. Uh, there are about 400 uh, early riders uh, in the Phoenix area uh, that have signed up that are eligible for this uh, this program uh, right now. And um, so what they're being offered is not to go shopping. That's what's very odd about this particular test, right. is they are being encouraged to shop online uh, for their groceries, not, not for the rest of the things, for groceries, um, and then to use the autonomous vehicle which will be dispatched to pick them up, to go pick up their uh, groceries and return them home. I, initially, I thought they were going to be able to uh, take an autonomous vehicle to Walmart and wander around for a couple of hours and do all sorts of shopping. Right. But not, not so. This is... Uh, it, this is a very much more sort of limited program, just to just a pickup program, and it's almost more like like you're reversing the process of what we know is now the the grocery delivery service to a degree. Absolutely, and they seem to be wanting to see if people want to go and 
uh, pick up their groceries as opposed to have their groceries delivered. And my sense is that the answer to that question is certainly in Phoenix this time of year, you would like to stay home and have your groceries delivered. We are joined by uh, John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, Dorothy Glancy of Santa Clara University. Your thoughts on this interesting partnership between Waymo and Walmart. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. John Paul, I mentioned that Walmart, or I should say Waymo, is partnering with other companies at this point and would like to. What other areas are they looking at that they think can be beneficial to them being in the autonomous driving space? I think the purpose of this uh, set of announcements is to demonstrate a wide array of possible uses. Uh, I think for Walmart, uh, joining this particular program now is partly a way to uh, get attention to their online grocery service. And, of course, Amazon has been announcing recently free delivery from Whole Foods to its Prime subscribers using the traditional, well, now traditional model of uh, somebody taking the groceries to your home. Um, I think that's why Walmart wants to focus this right now on groceries and on, you know, the novelty of bringing people to the mall to uh, actually have their groceries handed to them right there. But if you look at the other partnerships, it includes AutoNation. AutoNation is one of the partners of Waymo doing um, maintenance on the vehicles. Uh, Avis is another partner in both of those cases. Uh, what will be offered is, you know, anytime you're dropping off your vehicle for maintenance or you need to go pick up a rental car, um, it's the self-driving vehicle that will allow you to do that. Um, you know, the, how, how often will these particular 400 people who are signed up in the early rider program need to use that? Who knows? But these are important partners for them, and they wanted to announce it. There's also a hotel, which is going to be able to offer some, you know, taking hotel guests out to uh, restaurants or whatever. And there is a shopping center that has signed up. And I'm guessing in that case, it's more like what Dorothy described. It'll bring you to the shopping center and let you do your shopping and then take you home. So, you know, it's very early days. It's to demonstrate the range of possibilities. It's also, I agree, to get people more comfortable with this as just a kind of ordinary, maybe even slightly boring alternative to, um, you know, to what we now do of jumping in our car to do all these errands ourselves. Um, I wanted to add one interesting thing. I heard at a conference in San Francisco recently of the automated vehicle um, symposium. This was somebody from J.D. Power. After that fatal accident, uh, an Uber vehicle that killed a pedestrian with a bicycle. Yes. The number of people who said they were not comfortable uh, trying an autonomous vehicle jumped by 16%. So it's really true, even though I think everybody recognizes that there will be some accidents and fatalities in this transition. Uh, each of these very prominent ones, particularly where it looks like, you know, the, the combination of a technology and a test driver should have been able to prevent it. Um, is going to spook the public. And uh, Waymo wants to make this look very ordinary and very safe for a wide variety of tasks. 
But I would imagine, you know, like like all of these testing uh, tests going on, John Paul, there are certain uh, you know agreements in terms of you know protecting the the rider in that vehicle uh, against injury when they're doing this testing. And I would imagine if you're doing something like this with Walmart, those people have to sign some sort of an agreement in in terms of if a vehicle were to get into an accident. Correct? Yeah, I don't know that there are any. Um publicly available details about what these 400 people who have already been in the Waymo early rider program, what have they agreed to? Presumably they have agreed to certain um, kinds of, of, of waivers and, and the like, and, and I'm sure there's insurance that, that Waymo is providing as well. Uh, yeah, the safety aspect is, is really big, and I think we'll, you know, when will we see a service like this become available to everybody in the Chandler area. Chandler has an advantage also of being, you know, flat roads, wide roads, suburban, very little rain, very little fog, sort of ideal conditions. And Waymo has certainly done uh, an immense amount of 3D mapping to help facilitate all the technology they have on the car. Um, But, you know, expanding it to every possible kind of customer, which would include some of those customers who, really don't have easy mobility options now, handicapped or elderly. Um, that's a big next step that we'll have to see how soon it comes. Uh, we, uh, go ahead. We don't have the, the contracts with the, between the uh, early riders and Waymo, uh, but we do have some of the sign-up questions, and they ask exactly what John Paul is suggesting, uh, which is they're seeking to know uh, if people in the household are disabled, they want to know if they're over 65. Right. Uh, they, the um, uh, sort of data collection is pretty extensive, even for simply applying to be among the blessed uh, 400 um, early rider uh, drive uh, passengers. One of the things we're seeing, though, is that uh, passengers in autonomous vehicles are beginning and automated vehicles are beginning to be sold insurance uh and um so it's possible that there will be a growing market for not only people using autonomous vehicles to run errands uh but when they get into an autonomous vehicle they will have their own sort of personal insurance uh to protect them in case of uh some kind of a crash or, or uh, event that uh, causes injury. Uh, and that's something kind of new in at least the insurance uh, side of uh, autonomous vehicles. And, and this, would be di- this would be separate, Dorothy, from the, the normal insurance coverages that they already have, whether it be you know, with their uh, regular automobile coverage or their health coverage that they would get from an employer? Right, right. And um, so, so it, what, what's kind of tricky about this is that the insurance uh, provisions are governed for uh, people in uh, uh, passenger vehicles uh, are different under each of the 50 state laws. So right. um, I don't know what the, the situation is in Arizona, uh, but many of them, uh, there are, are limits on liability at fairly low levels. Uh, and uh, when you're a passenger as opposed to a driver, uh, you may end up with no insurance at all. It is interesting, Dorothy, and I know you've done work looking at the uh, Waymo Uber case, but, I mean, seemingly we're talking about, and, and not specifically about that case, but we're looking at potentially Waymo 
you know, getting into the territory that Uber and Lyft and, and these companies are really trying to, to be more involved in. Oh, absolutely. That is uh, precisely what this uh, the Arizona project is is about. Uh, but they need to know what people who what people are going to use these cars to do. Um, what's interesting about this Walmart uh, test, which I gather is uh, going to start up quite soon, uh, is that the uh, autonomous vehicle never does park and wait for right. uh, anybody. It is simply a loop from your home to pick up your groceries and back. Um, and the uh, shopping center that uh, John Paul mentioned would be much more interesting, where the autonomous vehicle would drop you off at the shopping center and then either hover and wait for you to come back, or more likely you would get a different uh, uh, kind of shuttle to get you back to your house. Right, because, uh, I mean, that's that's like going to New York and having a, the taxi cab wait for you outside while you go into the mall. It becomes a very expensive proposition, and, and I would say the latter of those options, Dorothy, are probably more attractive to the consumer than, than the former. Well, probably gives you a lot more. Uh, it's not only cheaper, but it's also probably a lot more flexible. Uh, but yeah. you've got, but you see the logistics of having the car come back and get you when you want to go. Uh, that's what uh, one of the things that I'm sure Weibo is uh, is looking at. Uh, they're collecting a lot of uh, data uh, about potential users of these vehicles, and some of us are a little bit concerned about what they do with that data. Um, and some of the uh, the sort of issues that we see in the uh, the Facebook. I don't I don't know if you covered this morning. The Facebook shares are still yeah. tanking. Yeah. Um, and um, those kinds of issues will be extraordinarily important when it is people's uh, sort of location and where they're going and being tracked as to where they are. All of that uh, kind of concern can really be a, a, a negative for. A, Business model. Well, and the other part, which you mentioned before about, uh, you know, ordering the groceries online and just basically taking a ride to go pick them up, that's that's Walmart continuing to try and make a play against Amazon, which obviously is getting more and more into the food service, food delivery uh, business uh, with uh, with Whole Foods. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of kind of grocery delivery services that are being used sort of all over the country. Uh, and some of them are pretty highly automated. What kind of worries me a little bit about this is you go to Walmart and you're, you're 75 years old and you don't walk real well and you load up uh, a week's worth of groceries into the back of the autonomous vehicle, and the Walmart greeters are wonderful about helping. Yeah. But then you get home, who's going to help you unload? <laughs> That's true. That's exactly right, because you've got, you've got to do that yourself. And I'm guessing, uh, John Paul, that, and again, we need to find this out, that if you're taking this type of service, it may very well be picking you up at the curb and dropping you at the curb. I don't think it, it, it would be backing you into your driveway or, or pulling up like that? No, that's right. And, and I mean, my guess is that with this first 400 that they signed up for their early driver program, uh, they're thinking hard about all those issues. So they may be asking how many people are over 65 or disabled. It doesn't mean that they're primarily choosing that population. They probably have a set of those folks and then they have families and they want data from a wide variety of, of consumers. I'm imagining they might check to see if people uh, who would have trouble uh, getting to and from the front door, from the curb, uh, have a neighbor, have somebody living at home who could help them. 
because they would want to cover that base with this early 400. But those are the kinds of things that get really interesting and complicated as these business models move forward. Well, one of the questions that they do ask in uh, seeking to be eligible to be an early rider is whether there are children under the age of two in the household. Um, and uh, I'm kind of wondering if they would allow the two-year-old to go and pick up the groceries. <laughs> that, that would be an interest. That would be a really interesting possibility there, <laughs> from a variety of different yeah. levels. Let's let's start yeah, with absolutely. okay, having a two year old take a ride without an adult potentially to go to go get the groceries. Well, uh, the groceries are all paid for, so that's possible, right? But then you also have to think about having a, uh, uh, a you know a chair in the car for the two year old to be able to go get them. Uh, and then there's a whole other level of insurance issues and, and obviously PR issues as well that they would have to deal with. Well, as well as child abuse for endangering that, your child. That too, putting too. Them in a car without a driver. I, never mind. Exactly. These, these no, but you're right. These may be the questions that are screening out people. <laughs> right, exactly. But it is interesting, John Paul, when you when you were running through the list of uh, of uh, of of companies that they were going through with Avis and a hotel, you know, the first thing I thought of was, okay, you know, there's your new shuttle service from the airport uh, via Avis to the hotel that you're going, and, and that's that next step, and, and that then is an impact on. The rental car industry, which is also another sector, which has been having issues over the last few years. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when you talk to people about the safety of automated systems, they'll say, well, you know, we've had some driverless vehicles with an excellent safety record for many, many years now. And they'll talk about, you know, the the, the shuttle trains at airports that move you uh, from terminal to terminal or sometimes to the rental car terminal, like San Francisco has, has one and Atlanta has one, et cetera. Um, some of these applications where you've got a limited route that you do over and over again, so you can really understand the route deeply, you have, uh, you know, uh, high enough volume to really invest in uh, this. Frankly, probably if, uh, a, a Waymo-type service was running people to rental car uh, terminals at airports, they would have some attendants on board to help people with luggage, but they wouldn't have to drive. Um, so th there's all kinds of applications. And I think for Waymo, if their software and maybe their hardware-software combination on you know vehicles that are minivans or could be even larger vans, uh, but not the big buses, which obviously provide a lot of capacity that may not always be used. If they can get their hardware software package into lots and lots of other companies' vehicles and business models, that's very good for them because they've said, we're never going to make our own vehicles. And they've made a big investment in Lyft, so right. they're betting on that ride-sharing partner they're working with Fiat Chrysler to get vehicles. They've contracted with Jaguar. They're having conversations with many other automakers. So this is their play, and I think um, they're also arguing that they have more uh, more miles than anyone else, that they've just hit 8 million miles after hitting 7 million in November, that they're booking 25,000 real miles a day of driving experience, and they've got what, another 5 billion simulated miles? So to differentiate, if they can say, hey, we're, we're, we're most advanced, 
we're safest. We've got the most mileage um, ex- uh, to learn from. Uh, we're the most experienced driver out there. That's what they're betting on to stand out from the pack. Where do you think we are right now in the in this space of autonomous vehicles? And, and I mean, obviously still a lot of testing going on and, and obviously the issues uh, that, that you mentioned. But where do you think we are in the process, John Paul, of of seeing autonomous vehicles as a, a, a day-to-day reality in, in the United States? Well, I'll, I'll give one uh, reflection based on attending this conference of uh, really the hardcore automated vehicle community in San Francisco. I, I certainly noticed, and uh, the, the reporter from Wired who wrote about this also uh, noticed that the sort of techno-optimism that was there uh, as uh, strongly as a year ago seemed to be dampened just a little bit. So the sense of the tech world that, oh, yes, this is going to happen any day now and the world will be completely autonomous vehicles. That's an exaggeration, but I think there were some who would put it out as uh, a very fast-moving trend with hardly anything to stop it because the technology can do it and the economics will be so compelling. I think a little more uh, sober sense of uh, the, the transition challenges of what it will take to convince the public that this technology is safe a lot of talk about needing to be better at communicating that. So uh, back to your main question, I mean, I see this as a period when we'll have lots of tests, lots of tests of different kinds. They'll be small scale. They'll be in different settings. They'll have different players involved. Cities will be regulating it. States will be regulating it. And the tests have the purpose of, you know, you get the driving experience, which helps teach the algorithms, and you get the public with more exposure, and meanwhile, the safety and regulatory issues are being played out. So I think in one sense, we'll see a lot of activity, but in terms of how many, you know, vehicle miles traveled are impacted by it, I think that'll stay pretty low for quite a long time. Dorothy, your thoughts? Well, my sense is that it's going to be very much step-by-step, and in that sense, I certainly agree with with John Paul. Part of the difficulty is that the states are all really different as to how they regulate the completely autonomous vehicles. In California, uh, if a uh, autonomous vehicle is out there with no safety driver, there has to be a connection to a remote monitor <clears throat> who could uh, take over control of the vehicle if um, for some reason there was a malfunction. Um, and so I think you're going to see some remotely controlled autonomous vehicles uh, in this mix. And we think uh, that there's going to be some of that involved in the testing in Arizona as well, although it's not required uh, as it would be in, uh, in California. Uh, I think the autonomous vehicle community um, is very concerned about the various state laws that either require a remote monitor or require some kind of particular communications ability and the like. All of that varies so much from state to state um, that, of course, the manufacturers would like to have a single federal law. Um, And unfortunately, the autonomous vehicle uh, uh, statutes that are pending before Congress look like they're not going to go anywhere. Um, They're not going to be enacted. And so... um, 
in the meantime, they're ending up having to cope with the rules of, of, of at certainly 50 different, completely different systems. Uh, and, of course, the uh, insurance laws are also different. Um, so I think that's caused at least some kind of, not cautions, uh, certainly caution, but not, not so much that as sort of confusion, as how we comply with this mix of requirements uh, and expectations uh, across the country. And um, so that's, that's posed, the regulatory side has posed a really big um, burden on the autonomous vehicle uh, manufacturers. It, it, we're at a situation where the technology is quite a bit better uh, than the regulatory systems, uh, and the regulatory systems are really having trouble catching up, I guess. Um, the California regulations are some of the most conservative, uh, the most uh, sort of technical requirements uh, in the country, and right. so that's one reason why uh, the autonomous vehicle testers have gone to Arizona, where the governor said, bring your autonomous vehicles to our state, uh, and uh, we'll be very happy to um, accommodate your tests. Uh, and, of course, there, that's where the Uber uh, uh, crash occurred, the running into the running over the bicycle uh, rider. Um, and uh, they closed down Uber for a while there, uh, but they're back, uh, they're back operating, uh, as I understand it uh, now, at least on a, a limited sort of basis. Right. Uh, but the, the name of the game right now for autonomous vehicles is trying to make them user-friendly and commonplace. And that's why for Waymo and, um, the, and Walmart to, to partner in a kind of co-branding uh, uh, system is just absolutely brilliant uh, because uh, Walmart is very commonplace in kind of middle America. And that's where the kind of confidence that John Paul was talking about uh, in autonomous vehicles needs to be built. Great having you both with us today. Thank you, John Paul. Thank you, Dorothy, for your time. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.